0: Welcome to The Otter Pod, the podcast where kids discuss real-world problems and what we can do to solve them. Throughout this series, we will cover issues such as human overconsumption, mental health, the wealth gap, intersectionality, and more. If you find this enjoyable, then stay tuned. Eight weeks of our planet's biggest issues from the eyes of its youth.
1: Hello, my name is Dune, and I'm an 8th grader at Great Expectations School.
2: Hi, I'm Sadie, another 8th grader at GS.
0: Hello, my name is Liam, and I am a 7th grader at Great Expectations School.
3: Hi, my name is Alex Kentop and I am an 8th grader here at GES.
0: Today's episode is a nice, hearty serving of...
1: So, something that people use to justify hating poor people is that they believe that the person who is impoverished, quote-unquote, deserved what they got. And, personally, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me... Like, no one chose, like, what family they were going to be born into, or anything really. Another
2: common belief is that poor people are often drug addicts. It's not true. Drug addicts <laughs> should... Another common belief is that poor people are drug addicts. I'm going to retake that because I want to rephrase that. Another common belief is that all poor people are drug addicts. Drug- at- Why do I keep saying drug Another common belief is that poor people are. Dr- <sighs> Another common belief is that all poor people are drug addicts. It's not true. Drug addiction aff- affects everyone of any class, race, gender, religious
1: belief, or lack of one. So, I want to know what is poverty and what does it mean for people who are suffering from it. There's a lot about poverty out there. There are the types of poverty that we have narrowed it down to. There's mental health and money. There's the shelters that people have to live in because they can't afford to even own an apartment. And then there's also eugenics and what different types of intersectionality plays into it because... If you have more than one type of thing that is oppressing you, it obviously gets worse.
3: You all know some of the ramifications of poverty, but what specifically are there that might be less well known?
1: Some of the general consequences of poverty is obviously not being able to afford to buy a house or buy an apartment or rent and rent from an apartment. But a couple other things would be that yeah, there is the fact that you might not have enough money to buy food or toiletries or clothing. There's also what people think about you and how they treat you. Because when someone sees a poor person, Either they will completely ignore them, give them money, or they will pretend they're doing this great thing and film a video about it. Get those, I, I don't know if it would be considered pity likes, or you did this good thing even though you might not be a good person. This front you're taking up of trying to help people is like good enough for me to believe you are a good person.
0: Another consequence of poverty that I know about is summer hunger. What really is summer hunger? Summer hunger is a phenomenon that tends to occur in poor families. During the school year, kids get at least one full healthy meal, but during the summer, without that one full and healthy meal... Kids and adults starve because they don't have enough money to sustain themselves.
1: Another consequence of poverty that I know about are shelters. And there are men's shelters, women's shelters, and joined shelters. There is quite a bit of violence that happens here because of the high tensions and emotions from not having, say, enough food. Because you get hungry when you don't eat enough or drink enough water so imagine that is your constant state of being and you're surrounded by people in similar situations and you likely just might not have showers regularly or are really capable of talking to people about your struggles so in men's shelters there's that feeling of, oh, if I'm here, it's like I'm weak. So there is like that toxic masculinity. is like you shouldn't get help from people because you're a man and you should be strong, which is a complete lie. It's a fallacy that people who are meant like, quote unquote, meant to be strong and masculine don't need help. Everybody at some point needs help. When you're a baby, you need help sitting up. When you're an adult, you might need help figuring out taxes. And that goes for anyone. You don't appear in life knowing everything. So to have that standard of, oh, you can't get help if you're poor and you're a man, it does not make sense. And there's a lot of violence that happens there as well because... You don't have much control over your life at that point. You you don't have the money to get a house or an apartment or proper living conditions. It doesn't... Like, it just makes violence more abundant because you feel the lack of control and you want to have control over someone, so being violent is a way that people can try and have control over some part of their life and in women's shelters it's a lot less than in men's shelters but there is obviously still going to be some violence like in women's shelters more often there are children as well and it's, it's sad no matter what but it's even more sad seeing a young child have to go through that yeah and then in joint shelters there's even more violence due to men asserting themselves on women through like abuse like rape happens quite a bit and then there's like the physical abuse and violence that happens to everyone and it's it just doesn't feel like people are treated like humans when they're poor and how they call them homeless shelters, it sounds like an animal shelter, where they are less than human for some reason. What bias uh, <clears throat> does our
3: society actually perpetuate
1: poverty? Ableism is a really big factor in poverty, because if you need support and, like, a support aid, you have to have under a certain amount of money, because then whatever agency is helping you is, oh, you can make all this money? Yeah, you'll be perfectly fine by yourself. You totally do not need this life-saving thing that you have to take every single day. So yeah, like you have to be poor if you're disabled and you need a certain support that you can't get by yourself. Yeah. To get help for your disabilities, You have to be poor, as I said before. You can't have more than a certain amount of money before they kick you off because the aid programs think, quote, if they can make money, they can take care of themselves, unquote. They can't always take care of themselves. Some of them need that help. Plus, getting mobility aids or asking someone to help you with your accommodations is difficult and it makes you feel really anxious because you don't know how they're going to react to you asking. So if it turns out that someone believes that you can, like, you can do anything if you set your mind to it thing, then they might not help you. And that's really difficult. Plus, people like to gatekeep who isn't and who, who is and... Plus, people like to gatekeep who is and isn't worthy of help which is ableist and as someone who i don't look disabled i am a disabled teenager and people don't tend to consider me quote disabled enough unquote so yeah ableism and poverty are some of the bestest of friends some
3: people like to argue that Poor people are just lazy, bad, unworthy people that didn't do a good enough job working and fell to that where that takes you.
2: And even if they did do it to themselves, why does that not qualify them for being happy?
1: So, why are billionaires important to this conversation?
3: <clears throat> Intergenerational wealth is one of the main sources of is what a lot of billionaires build their success on. Think of it like a platform. Some people, it's a nice foundation where they can build a house. A nice house off of. Some people, it's a skyscraper, where they're already basically at the finish line right from the moment that they were born. But some people, it's a pit, which it's they can't get out of easily. A lot of people, some people will say, yeah, billionaires have a lot of money, but they earned it. Bill- many billionaires... Maximize the products through pay cuts, tax evasion, cutting, typically vital, corners.
1: Yes, some billionaires do have good ideas, but it's also random chance that a good idea will earn a billion dollars. And yeah, like a billion dollars is more than enough to pay a lifetime's worth for anything a person could possibly need. Does anybody know any specific types of violence against the poor that tends to happen? Probably one of the, I guess, maybe a bit
2: more well-known one is hostile architecture, but a lot of people might not know exactly all the different types of it. There's, like, spikes under certain areas and on certain grounds, benches with curves and angles, which probably is just uncomfortable more than anything, unnecessary bars on benches, benches that you can't even sit on arm supporting benches these are not really helpful even more weird benches all of these force homeless people away from benches these force homeless people away from benches and in reality this just makes life harder for homeless people
0: another example is over policing with poor people like cops and others think that poor people always steal
2: Poor cities, areas where many homeless
1: people live and congregate. So, I've actually been to a poor city or poor encampment before, and everyone was either living in, like, cheap $10 tents or on the ground in their sleeping bags. And people would have to add... Like, aluminum foil bells and other types of things that meant so that if anyone touched the tent, it would make a loud noise. That way, in case someone else were to try and take that from them, that it would make a loud noise and everyone around would be alerted. So, yeah, it was really sad, and there were multiple police cars parked around the outside, And they lived right by a highway, so it was super loud all the time. And sure, we went around and gave all the people we could at least $20, but it was was scary because to think that my family was just like a surprise hospital visit away from ending up in one of those poor cities...
3: If they had money they wouldn't steal. If people have something, they don't need to steal it. If they have the whole reason why someone would steal someone else's tent is just because they don't have housing. So if they had money, like they wouldn't commit crimes to get what they need to survive.
0: Then another example is actual physical violence. Violence against persons in poor, 51%, and low-income, 50% households was more likely to be reported to the police than violence against persons in mid, 43%, and high-income, 45% households.
2: Stereotypes. Movies and media stereotypes. You've probably seen these if you've watched pretty much any movie. Internal bias. These stereotypes can make it harder for poor people to get jobs, as employers don't want that type of person working for their company.
3: One thing we haven't talked about yet is the actual distribution of wealth. The thing that actually makes poverty. What a lot of people, what some people might think it is, which is just everyone has enough, it's not. Even people who know, like me, even, I'm gonna admit that before we began this podcast, I assumed that cases like doing discussed earlier of people who just only have tens or actually, I assume that was quite rare, but it's not. And so like, a, I assume a lot of people just think that just the people that they see on the streets, that's the outliers in America. Those are the people who, eh, people might think that they're bad people or they might think they're good people or just been wronged. But I think some people just think that's all there is. Where it's actually just the tip of the iceberg for this.
2: Well, the actual wealth gap is actually really bad compared to what quite a few people would think. And even majority of people who say that there is too much are actually wrong in the fact that there's a lot more than what they think it is. The wealthiest 1% of families in the United States hold about 40% of all the wealth. And the bottom 90% of families hold less than one-quarter of all wealth. Notably, 25% of families have less than $10,000 in wealth. The middle 40% of U.S. families own 22% of the wealth. 51.5 million families are in this group. The bottom 50% own just 1% of the wealth in the U.S. and have a median net worth less than 122 thousand dollars the bottom 50 percent includes 64.3 million families and within 13.4 million of these families having a negative net worth this could this probably has gone up over time to be honest
1: so i want to know what solutions are we've broken these solutions into four tiers of
3: course, all these systems are far more complicated and everyone has their own opinion. First one we have are fairly minor things. These are easily achievable, relatively speaking, given the transportation, and involve reforms to already existing systems. These include tax reform for wealthy people, starting food shelves, or making dinner for others a few times a week, reaching out government officials to them, I think. One counter argument to some of these is I don't want my taxes to go up. A lot of these tax reforms are structured to purely target wealthy people, and even then, not
1: to take money. We then can move on to the medium solutions, which are harder to implement and would require new programs and governmental systems. They would not require too many social shifts to enact, and could be seen shortly including universal health care and a reformed welfare system, which would mean that people would not go into such bad medical debt that they could actually decide, I have to go to the hospital to get treatment for this.
2: We then move to major changes. These are changes that would require major societal shifts and partial systematic changes. This would improve living standards considerably if pulled off. What we are talking about here is a full change to a socialist system. It would be considerably harder to pull off, but still it wouldn't be nice if it was a... or if people did.
1: Yeah, because then it means that there's... Yeah, because then it means there is that nice, the better distribution of wealth where there is not much of a difference between the poor, middle, and rich class, which the middle class barely exists anymore. There's almost no difference between the middle class and poor people. Like, looking at, even 10 years ago, looking at charts... There's almost no difference. You can barely see the change. You can't tell the difference between the poor class and the middle class, which does not exist anymore.
0: Finally, we have extreme changes. These would require complete societal and governmental overhauls, but could be very effective. The primary thing that comes to mind is communism, which is unlikely to occur due to many societal precip... Perceptions, perceptions, but would, in theory, eliminate all problems from class.
1: So what can we do to help? So, you can consider donating money, food, clothing, toys for children, and blankets to anyone you know who is poor in your local community. And if there is, if you can't find anyone who's poor in your local community, then you can go to www.feedingamerica.org. That is F-E-D-I-N-G-A-M-E-R-I-C-A dot O-R-G. And there, you'll be able to go to the Find Your Local Food Bank, where you can just put in your zip code or state, and you can help out in that way. If there are no food banks or food shelves in your area, If you have the time and resources, you should try and create one, advocate one, and make food once or twice a week and put up some posters so that people know where to find you so they can get at least one or two meals a week. If it is easily accessible, you can help your school or your child's school with the preparation and acquisition of food. School lunches are a crucial part of feeding kids from low-income families. If you own a building with spare rooms, you could consider loaning some to people you know that need reliable housing. Most importantly, even if you think it's not worth it as one person, it is. No matter what your help is going to be. Most importantly, even if you think it's not worth it as just one person, it is. No matter what your help is, it's going to be appreciated by everyone around you. Because when we help one person, we help an entire community of people.
0: Thanks for listening to an episode of The Otter Pod. We hope you've not only learned something, but feel inspired to make a difference. If you liked this episode, please rate, review, and share. See you next time. Bye-bye.